Have people gotten stupider? How have they always been this stupid? I I think I think they that a certain portion of the population has. I think that has they what have been, always been have, this stupid or gotten yeah, stupider? Yeah, always. I I won't say stupid, but more deliberately ignorant. They deliberately prevent themselves from absorbing information that might make them change their mind about something. Which is a stupid move, and that brings us back to, they are stupid. Um, yeah, but I think that they've been given permission of late to be much louder about their ignorance. Well, they, it, they, I, they, I, I'm getting tired of it. They embrace it like a lover. We're going to talk about, uh, about stupid people and whether, you know, were they always as stupid? Were there always this many... <clears throat> has uh, has the internet allowed people to be given stupid? We're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, companies like cable companies who send people out door to door in the winter um, during the during afternoons um, and think someone's going to spend the time gleefully talking to this individual. We're going to talk about about that because who does door to door anymore other than politicians during a campaign? Um, but first. Uh, I want to address the uh, the matter of this much music documentary called oh 299 Queen Street West, which, by the way, is what you call a documentary when every other better name is gone. <clears throat> An address? Like, what? What? Anyway. What, what tax money went to making this? I have zero idea. Yeah, you know some did. Well, yeah, I have no idea. Um, yeah. What I know is this is that I heard about this through the grapevine. This individual um, was making the definitive documentary about much music and its impact culturally and so on. And so uh, I figured I'd, I'd hear from this, heard nothing. I actually contacted this individual and said, I hear you're making this. I've got hours of uh, footage that much music doesn't have because I have it um, legally. Yeah. Um, and be glad to give that to you. Nothing from this termite. Um, and then, Ooh, termite. Uh, yeah, termite. Uh, and then, well, it'll get worse. And then, um, I find out that he's this movie is coming out at South by Southwest about much music about the you know, like I said, the cultural Be impact because stuff. it's because it's such Canadiana to premiere a movie about in a Texas. Canadian media phenomenon in Texas. Yeah, then I find out he did interviews with numerous people. Numerous other VJs and individuals, mm -hmm. but did not interview me, did not come to me. All right. right. I, my understanding right. is. Are you, are you the godfather? He didn't come to me. Yes. My, <laughs> my understanding is he didn't talk to Master T either. You're um, kidding. This is my understanding. You're kidding. So um, I originally just people were asking me, uh, are you in this? Uh, are you part of this film or and and are you going to watch it? So I just put up on Twitter, on, on Facebook, simple lines. The answer to to both is no, um, the, now, which was which was restrained of you. Yes, I, that's all I said initially. Yeah. And then people there were thousands of people who responded. Um, well, it, it's a pretty you and T. I didn't even mention T. I realized this last night. 
that I hadn't seen his name associated with it. So I uh, I put this thing up and people were saying, this is BS. You were much music. You were the 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 edge that much music needed. You were all people saying you were like much music's mascot, which I don't want to be anybody's freaking mascot, but I appreciate the sentiment. It just there was I you know there was no blowback of people saying, well, you shouldn't have been contacted and so on. Well, um, because it's just objectively BS. Yeah, and I, I you know people saying, oh, I guess you're mad. It's like initially I, I really wasn't mad. Uh, I just thought this was this was weird and odd that you know i was like well what do i care and then i thought about it further all right and i realized yeah i am pee off peed off about this because you have every right to be it's a it's a slight it's deliberate this is probably going to be the one definitive documentary that will stand over time explaining what much music was and well, okay. its impact. I, I, I disagree with you on that. It's not going to be definitive or complete. Well, It's going to be very surface. Well, they have access. This guy, this bug, has access to the much music uh, archives, to their library, yeah, which but other people just, aren't going to get. That's just what went on air not what went on behind the scenes. I mean, when MTV did something similar, they let it all hang out. Oh, there'll like, be they nothing. They talked about hang. the drugs. They'll... They talked about the inappropriate stuff that went on behind the scenes. They they let it all just air no, in the this, breeze. This, this will be tucked. It will not be hanging out. It is right now the focus of attention, and it is, uh, it is shining a light on people who contributed to much music, and apparently there's footage of me in it. I don't know where they got it, because I have the master tapes of all the fromage shows, all the, the wham, big wham bams. Probably stuff uh, like Woodstock. Uh, hundreds of hours of uh, 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 VJ shifts with me and other VJs. Uh, I've got all this tape. And yeah, probably they grabbed it from uh, MMVAs where my, yeah. uh, my stuff was included, uh, where they grabbed yeah. it from Woodstock. But anyway. I mean, what you don't see with the MMVA recordings is how certain senior producers were screaming abuse at me behind the scenes while I was editing those comments, those those segments. That's not going to end up in the documentary. And that's part of the history too. Right. That's why I'm saying it's not definitive. Like the language. I'll I'll give you, I'll give you a history. I'll give give you a history one day. It, it, uh, Um, yeah, those, those experiences were, were special on, on many, many levels, but yeah, that's why I'm saying. Well, yeah, I was, listen, this is a slight, this is a deliberate slight. It's not like I was supplemental to much music. I was central to much music. Um, people always keep saying the 90s, the 90s. I started on much music in the 90s. I was on much music for more years in the 2000s than I was in the 90s. And I didn't even get accepted. Uh, People still treated me like the turd in the punch bowl until after Woodstock in 1999. But anyway. Well, I uh, took over producing Fromage in 99. That's right. We we worked on it for a couple years before that, but there was, was somebody. It was terrible. Before that, somebody basically saying, no, you can't do anything interesting. But yeah, it started in 99. There were years after that. So um, we stopped doing it because they wanted us to do it every three months. No, they did not. They wanted us to do it every month. And it it took four months to do that show. Well, also, do you do the Academy Awards every month? What are you going to do? What's the best picture this month? Like, it doesn't have any resonance. Um, 
And then uh, here's a bit of history that people don't know. Um, uh, uh, we proposed a show called Video Court to uh, Much Music while we were right. still working there doing uh, fromage. And this this animated piece of feces said no. Um, and uh, this is a different person from the termite. Um, yeah. And uh, then when uh, I said, no, I'm not doing we're not doing fromage monthly. Um, it's not. It's not possible. It's not possible. You you wind up making fun of videos that don't deserve it just because you got to meet your quota for well, airtime. And I mean, it. The thing about fromage is one of the things I felt strongly about was that it wasn't shooting fish in the barrel. There had to be a certain public sentiment that the videos deserve to get made fun of. That that's what made it feel like not punching down to well, me. And previous, it was months of voting. Previous to our taking over Fromage, mm -hmm. which, by the way, we weren't given Fromage and said, here you go. Fromage was dead. It had ended yeah, um, because, uh, because uh, Christopher Ward, who had created the show, um, playing Simon de Camembert or some right. French character. Charles de Camembert. Charles de Ca who cares? Um, Charles could be wrong. He uh, he wrote. He was he was Christopher was a pioneer of much music. In fact, his show City Limits before yep. existed before much music. It set kind of the template, the embryo for what much music would become. Um, no, well, and, not and, take and, away from him his his impact, but he let's, did. Yeah. Let's be clear. Fromage started as a way to have a good long chunk of programming. So that people could just run it and take time off over the holidays. Yeah, it was a holiday. It was thing. filler. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they only made fun of foreign videos and videos that uh, clearly well, had no budget. A lot of French Canadian videos, which personally bugged me. Well, and there was stuff from like Argentina and places yeah. like that. And yeah. you know, our thought was, um, I'm, I, 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 this is, this is shooting fish in the barrel. This is punching down. Ha ha ha. Look at the foreigners. Ha ha ha. Look at yeah. the people who do not have money. And then, uh, Christopher wrote black velvet for Atlanta miles. And that was it. And did very well. <laughs> yeah. And good he, for he, him. he left much music, moved to Los Angeles, uh, full-time in music. And so, uh, it was left to his producer to continue to do, uh, fromage, but the producer, he wanted he he you know he wanted me involved, but he told me things he wanted me to say, which were not funny. So I didn't no. say them. Yeah. Um. But it was still lame. It was still shooting at fish in a barrel. And then uh. So, but he had he moved on to somewhere else in the building. Nobody was picking up fromage. We didn't tell anybody. We uh. It was ninety nine. We said let's make it the the worst music videos of the century. Of of, of yeah. Um, Which is the only music videos because there weren't music videos of, before of that century. <laughs> um, and then uh, we came up with the concept. We chose the videos. We edit. We wrote the bits about the videos. We edited the show. The some of these tapes were so old on something called three quarter inch tape that the metal magnetic oxides that form the uh, the, the yeah. images fell off uh, the rash. tape, and they gave Liana a rash on her arms. I remember the absolute worst video was Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto. Yes, it was falling apart. It was so, because it wasn't even on its own tape. It was on like a new music air check. So we uh, we did it, we put it together ourselves and uh, we handed it in. 
And I remember Denise saying, what is this? Denise Donlin, head of Witch Music. (laughs) She said, what is this? I said, it's from us. She says, I thought that was that was over. I said, well, I guess not. And to her credit, she's like, "Okay, let's give it a try. So out it went. It did huge numbers, mm-hmm, like huge, huge. And then in reruns, it did huge numbers. And then in yeah. reruns of reruns, it did huge numbers. Were and so we rewarded it became for that with more money next time. Nothing. <laughs> zero. Zero. Yeah. Our budget yeah. was zero for that. Yeah, it had for, that to... for that particular show, it was bundled into an overall budget for the entire year. So any of, money we put into our that, programming. yeah, yeah, any money we put into that had to had to be basically cannibalized from everything else we were doing. So anyway, um, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, uh, my kisser out there was a huge beacon to teenagers and young adults to watch. Because let's face it, the truth is that there were uh, there were elements of much music which were kind of candy ass. And kind of kissing record company butt. All right. That that's the truth. And yet I wasn't. And so much music defended itself against claims of being a tool of record companies by using me as an example, the right. fact that I would say what I said about popular uh, artists and so on. They, that was their way of saying, no, no, we're not sellouts. Look at what Ed Dusak is saying. So uh, I provided them cover for a lot of things. And for this guy to go forward doing a documentary, doing interviews uh, with other uh, VJs, none of whom I think shouldn't have been interviewed. They're um, all a part of building what we built. But to deliberately leave me out and not ask me for my input about you know my memories of the thing, that is a deliberate slap in the face by this individual who I'm looking at a photo of him right now in an article, and he's got hair oh. that should have been uh, outlawed in about 1997. It, uh, you, you, you confirmed which guy it is because I did a Google search to see what's going on here. And a guy with the same name owns a comic book business with a guy who has beef with me because I defended a um, neuroatypical uh, vendor at a Comic-Con against railroading, being forced to sign a contract we were pretty sure he didn't want to sign and didn't quite understand what he was signing. And I got blackballed. Is that what happened? That's what happened. Yeah, that's the beef between those guys and me is that they got mad that I signed the petition defending that guy. But I signed it too. Yeah, but for whatever reason, okay, Excuse me. Sometimes stereotypes are true. How dare that woman? That was the attitude at the time for things. So that's the beef. But that was years ago. Yeah, it was. This is I vaguely remember this individual's name vaguely. But that's it vaguely. But he's obviously carried some kind of because, listen, this is not just a creative decision. There there is no measure by which you can defend leaving me out of the documentary the commentary of the document there is no it it is not you can't just say well we had enough other people who had the same perspective no you did not this is a deliberate snub and um well i don't tell anybody not to watch 
this movie. You go ahead and watch that movie if you want. I, first of all, even before all this, I was like, what am I going to watch it for? I was there. What are they going to tell me about the experience wow. of much music that I don't already know better than they do? This isn't sour grapes. This is a, a professional slight. See, um, my attitude is I, I don't I don't like I don't like spilling tea. It's not my way. But I think that people deserve to know the complete facts of what's going on here. Um, so, so, and again, you know, correlation is not causation, but people can decide them for themselves. So what's going on here? This is not right. I had a good laugh when CBC did an article about this documentary. Um, right. And the here is the uh, first uh, paragraph in this article about the documentary. I'm going to read it to you now. Yeah. <laughs> when it was first announced earlier this year that a new documentary about Canada's Much Music would be making its world premiere at South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas, many were eager to know whether Ed DeSock appears in the film. <laughs> um, oh, but, okay, here's my question here, because I'm that kind of jerk. Okay, CBC, you think Ed's still so quote-unquote relevant? Where are you? This is a question for another day. And I will say... I'm not only insulted for myself, if in fact Master T, Tony Young, was oh. not interviewed oh. for this. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. All Completely black, unacceptable. Black, uh, hip, like black artists in Canada who built their careers thanks to much music owe Tony Young, Master T. Yeah. For he fought hard. And dude took music. so much. He fought so hard against so much uh, resistance to get uh, music by black artists. Oh, I use the word begins music. with R that isn't resistance personally. Okay. Um, <laughs> but he he is a foundational yeah. figure. P people like Drake who are around today, um, yep. they owe, uh, who, who got leapfrogged on much music, they owe Master T. Every artist in Canada, black artist in Canada, yep. uh, who's who's had success, owes Master T. So if Master yep. T was also not asked to be interviewed, that's another slight. Master T is a gem, uh, a, a, a important figure in the development of Canadian music, of Canadian music by black artists. He yep. is usually overlooked. Um, well, no, he, he gets branded things, right? And I, I can't I can't look away from the fact that the 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 labels people put on him are really based on stereotypes. Like I will it's say racism. This, without spilling tea, as you put it, yeah. I will say that um, there were a couple of individuals in positions of authority. I will say that it was not. I never heard this from Denise Donlan. No. Oh no. No. I no, never. No. I never heard this from David Kynes. No. Um, but there were other people lower tier who constantly said that Master T and Master T's producer were lazy. Jeez, how, uh -huh. how stereotypical a comment against black people is calling them lazy. These, yep. people, worked, these people worked like crazy. They worked like, they produced uh, a lot of content. They were constantly, busy, but they were lazy. Uh -huh. And difficult, the same thing I got labeled. So anyway... I don't yeah. know what my point is. My point is... Well, again, presenting facts. This happened. This is probably stuff you're not going to see in the documentary. Oh, the documentary will not cover, I guarantee, because the documentary is executive produced by somebody else I have no issue with, Justin Stockman, 
who was a colleague back in the Much Music days, uh, didn't have any issues with him. In fact, he was even supportive of an idea to bring me back to Much Music when it was when it was fading before they changed their format. I got no mm-hmm. issues with Justin. Justin is the head of English programming and Crave for, for Bell. Uh, he opened the door, the vault, to this guy to let him come in and, and get the Much Music footage. Um, but uh, it makes Bell an executive producer of this. this so I do not believe, I haven't seen it, but I'd be very surprised if they cover the declining years, uh, covering the actual reasons it declined. I would be very, this is my prediction, having not seen it. Okay. They're going to say that much music declined because uh, kids weren't watching music videos on TV anymore. They were watching them uh, online, which is not the truth. People watched much music for the personalities, for what we did with it, the videos. It was, it was pivoting before that. It was, well, we, I mean, the lie to this is that Fromage um, featured all of the biggest names from the year. Videos had been played to death, mm-hmm. okay? Um, yep. And yet people watched it. It was their biggest, their biggest, most commentary. It was their most successful in-house produced yep. show. More so than the MMVAs. And um, cost so much less. Well, it was on par with the MMVAs. The MMVAs no, did the MMVAs well. did not. Their reruns kept declining. Okay, their reruns, yes. Um, whereas our reruns, they were packaging three years worth of fromage um, as packages to run on 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 TV on their channel, and yeah. those were delivering bigger numbers than their than their original programming from the day. So anyway, um, we uh, I, now I got lost. Where was I going? Well, I'll add, and this is oh, why yeah, I that say- they won't cover why it really died. It did not die because people weren't watching music videos on TV anymore. That was a challenge. It was not the death knell. The death knell was them deciding that they to, to throw their hands up rather than use imagination. The well, death knell was them not understanding what people really tuned into much music for. Much music was they- the national hangout. It was the relationships that the audience developed with the VJs and with the channel overall that brought people in. And well, that that definitely distinguished it from MTV in the US. And that is that was the core of Much Music. Management at the time did not understand that, did not understand um, how, what Much Music's uh, attraction was, what its relationship was with its audience. And so they killed it through terrible decisions, such well, as again... let's, let's copy MTV reality shows for about 10 cents on the dollar yeah. of the budget. Again, this is post-Denise. After Denise post left. Denise. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, I, Denise Donlin does not get enough credit in the Canadian television industry. And people, who are this person? Exactly. You should know who she is. Because she had vision and she was mocked for the belief that youth wanted things that said something about the world. And right. she was right. And the minute that stopped, much started declining. So watch this movie if you want. I will not tell you not to watch it. I've told you now why I'm not in it. At this, I, I, at this have, point, have you been have you been getting the why are you so obsessed with this on Twitter? I've had some people ask that, and my answer yeah, is this is obsession. part. This was this was a huge chunk of my life that uh, that someone else is being allowed to present. Though okay, I will say it, this, there is talk of a documentary about me. Oh yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say like, Ed documentary when? 
Because this yeah. is an opportunity for you, right? Like nobody else is doing it, so there's st- there's clearly demand. Yeah, there's there uh, there's talk of this is all I can say right now. All right, so Liana, um, yes, Ed. it uh, it was who was this that said this years ago? There was a on air person who said that if the idiots ever find a way to organize, we're doomed. <laughs> and this is before the internet and the internet. That- Gave that happened idiots. in the 90s. The idiots gave, uh, the internet gave these people a place to join with other like, uh, like numb minded people. And so they, they, cause you know, scattered around, they had no, like each individual finger on a hand has only so much power, but put it together, five fingers together as a fist, it's got power. This is what the internet has allowed stupid people to do. And the question is, cause there was so much commentary that qualifies as stupid as ignorant uh on on the internet on social media and so on the question people ask is have people always been this stupid uh b um have there always been this many stupid people or c um is this just the internet allowing them to uh, to find each other and these are these are valid questions i would argue that this the the, the number of stupid people hasn't changed but the people are encouraged now to embrace their inner idiot and they join with other people they have the opportunity to join with other people who validate them that no you're not stupid everybody else is stupid all those experts or scientists and things like they're the stupid ones we the people who have no actual knowledge of any subject we are the actual smart people your thoughts counter theory okay what? yeah I-, I was gonna say counter theory yeah um i think Fear makes otherwise not stupid people act stupid and think stupid. And I think that there's also a heavy degree of arrogance where people are confusing education level and actual intelligence. You know, just just because you have a university degree doesn't mean you did anything but wrote memorization. People are overestimating their own logic and people aren't taught formal logic. They aren't taught ethics. They aren't taught any of those things that actually elevate thought from mere repetition of facts that may or may not be strung together in a coherent fashion with actual synthesis and application of information and that was probably way too smart for for this format wasn't it i just realized my mic was muted yeah (laughs) no it was not too smart for this format because i firmly believe that the people who uh stick with and listen to this podcast are the smarter people just like to call back to the first segment um i knew that our audience for the programming we were producing under the Ed Brand banner um, was reaching smarter than the average bear people. So when we were told that our audience is stupid and just wants crap, so we're just going to give them crap. And we were ordered to not talk about anything that happened more than three months ago Mm -hmm. because our audience is stupid and can't remember anything from more than three months ago. We knew this was not true about our audience. I believe that we, our audience, is uh, uh, of a smarter caliber. Um, can I can I give an example of something that's been bugging me 
lately to show how seemingly smart people can be dumb. Okay. Oh, it's a phenomenon called sophistry, replacing complication, replacing actual intelligence, actual reason with complication. So it's the difference between sounding smart and actually being smart. So this is concept kicking around right now, popularized by people like J.K. Rowling, that group it is dangerous to presume that entire groups of people deserve presumption of innocence dangerous right and when i By saw groups her of say people this, they're not talking about uh like categories of people dc or marvel fans In they're her talking case, she, well no because it happens to gamers it happens to comic book fans right Gamers and comic book fans get undue attention for misogyny that happens everywhere in the world because it's easy to stereotype them because of, you know, stigma. All and right, go so, on. So people in those categories have to prove they don't hate women as opposed to you actually have to do something that makes it seem that they get tarred with the same brush because they're part of an identifiable group. And I thought when J.K. Rowling made that comment about it's dangerous to give any group blanket presumption of innocence, I'm like, all right, that's it. Thinking people will realize that's just ridiculous. No, people backed her. People argued me saying individuals get presumption of innocence, but groups don't. Now, I thought, I thought groups were made up of individuals. Perhaps I am wrong. But here's the thing, right? The over-policing problem of black people is because black people as a group don't get presumption of innocence all this stuff targeting uh lgbtq plus people the whole pedo thing is denying an entire group of people presumption of innocence presumption of innocence does not mean you know just letting people get away with things when there's evidence they're doing something bad presumption of innocence means Somebody has to prove or provide evidence you're doing something bad. You don't have to provide evidence you're not because you can't prove a non-event. The state needs to prove its case. Well, and, and the greater concept of you don't punish an entire group for the actions of individuals within the group. You know, like the, the Islamophobia that cropped up in the wake of 9-11 is an example of that, right? The poison Skittle analogy. Oh God. That if, if I there hate was Skittles, a... by the way. But you know, you know the analogy, like Donald Trump Jr. shared this. Like, if you knew there was a poison Skittle in a bowl of Skittles, would you eat from the bowl? And that sounds rational and reasonable, right? But a bowl of Skittles might contain a few. Like might contain a few hundred, maybe if it's a big bowl, not millions and millions and millions of Skittles. And the reality is, is, you know, the the whole concept of the bottom of the barrel that was apple barrels. Yes, we eat from we eat food from containers that contain rotten members all the time. Because of the 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 potential risk. The other thing that's missing here is. If you decide to throw out a bowl of Skittles, it is a bowl of Skittles. 
Um, not a human. are not human beings. That's right. You but can't just throw like... out human beings because one amongst them might be uh, dangerous. Skittles and human beings, strangely, not the same thing. Yeah, and, and it's not an apples to apples comparison, right? But people say, well, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense about a bowl of a few dozen Skittles. It doesn't make sense when it comes to people. And there's all this thinking right now that based on fear, right? Protection, safeguarding, instead of, no, the burden of proof is not on the people saying maximum rights for maximum people. The burden of proof is on the people trying to curb freedom of movement or restrict people's rights. And that's not the way our system is working right now. I mean, politicians are just being, in Canada, are being openly accused of, you know, collusion with the, the, the Communist Party of China. And they're being expected to prove their innocence. And that's not right. You don't, in, you don't condemn somebody based on a rumor. And this brings me back to, um, I think that, you know, you're saying that um, smart people can can uh, follow dumb patterns or have dumb thoughts. And yes, smart people, intelligent people, all everybody has a blind spot. I'm talking about people who um, are actively anti-intellectual, who are who uh, uh, criticize people. Like if you believe the during COVID, if you believed the scientific experts that the government was basing policy on, then according to these people, you are uh, obedient um, and uh, willing to be enslaved. And okay, all, but all and, that's ad hominem. There's not a single fact there. Well, the thing is, that's like saying, you know, um, if a weather reporter says that the, uh, the, the conditions on the water are going to be very choppy because there's a big storm coming, um, if you don't get in your canoe and go out into that into the water at that point, then you are just a bootlicker for the uh, for the the uh, the authorities. It doesn't make sense. And you know they, they talk about what the government wants you to believe. The government was quoting scientific sources. These were not political decisions. These were government quoting political uh, 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 medical sources and acting on it. This idea okay. that that and then the media was reporting what the uh the government uh was uh implementing and reporting what the scientific community was saying and somehow that became the media uh pushing an agenda as opposed to reporting the information um the government having an agenda as opposed to the government acting in what they believe is the best interest of the people's health based on scientific experts and then they start attacking scientific experts because they would find some some outlier about uh, who would criticize the findings of the medical community, the experts. These people were not people who worked on the actual mRNA uh, vaccine, for example. There was one guy who had worked on mRNA vaccines 20 years ago. Um, they were using him as an expert of mRNA vaccines today. Um, and they're like, he's yeah. a doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor who hasn't been part of this research. So his information is 20 years out of date, which yeah. the way science moves, it may as well be 2000 years yes. out of date. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But they, this is their attempt to show that they are smart. 
that they are deconstructing. And also, by the way, uh, 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 doctors are being paid under the table by pharmaceutical companies. I don't know about you. My doctor, who I've been to for 20 years, there's no way this guy is getting paid under the table. Uh, you should see his offices. There's no well, way he's getting paid. The idea They have this idea that everybody is on the take, which tells me that they okay. themselves would be on the take were anybody offering them. Well, that's absolutely accurate. They assume that everybody thinks the way they do. And that's the fundamental problem. I mean, you got to you got to realize, Ed, you know, remember the contract with America back in the 90s? Yes. Remember the, you know, Lee Atwater in the 70s? There, yes. there, there is a conspiracy here. There's been a concentrated effort, a consistent effort to turn society this way. Just the steady drumbeat of, and, and, you know, the reason the whole idea of this shadowy conspiracy has a glimmer of truth is because the people telling you there's a shadowy conspiracy constructed the conspiracy. I'll say this used to be that um, stupidity and ignorance were looked down upon and people didn't want to be um, identified as if they didn't want to be saying things that were known to be popularly stupid. Um, after uh, Trump became a catalyst, people have started banding together and stupid people are backing up other stupid people. So they no longer feel social pressure to not say stupid, offensive, knowingly offensive things because they've got a community that has their back. And so okay, we but... really do have, I, I think that the, the there, in the past, there may have been an ember of stupidity in somebody, but now that ember is being fed oxygen. So more people are getting more stupid. You know what I think it is? What? Because this is something we can actually do something about. And this is your, you get the last word because we're gonna go to a break after. Oh, okay. The fact that there are so many ways to get in trouble and no no off ramp, right? Like, oh, you're insert bigoted term here because you misspeak once on Twitter. People are just giving up. It's easier to just go full mask off bigot than to even try because they don't feel like they're ever going to be able to succeed. So they just sink into the muck. You mean ever succeed in being forgiven? You're never going to win. It's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enlightened enough to appease the online hordes. And my attitude is, well, you're giving the online hordes way too much power over your thinking. You, 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 you know, it's not about intelligence. It's about will and resolve and, and fortitude and inner fortitude. It's about honor. Honor has to matter. It's not about intelligence. It's about having enough feeling that you have dignity so that you treat other people with dignity. All right. And that is a profound place for us to go to a break. Okay. So earlier today, um, Leanna's over, uh, uh, and we were, you know, we're recording the podcast together. Um, and in the middle of the day, the doorbell rings. I'm like the doorbell, and you know, sadly, my uh, my dog has has passed recently, yeah. so there was nobody to warn me that someone was coming up the the driveway. And the doorbell rings. I'm like, all right, well, who the heck? what is it? Is it is and it I'm Amazon? Like, you don't have to answer the door. 
well, no, but you know, is, is it Amazon? Is it sometimes like, is it somebody important? Sometimes the gas company will knock on the door. So, um, uh, you know, I, I go, I, you know, I check the door. Sometimes I need to sign for a package delivery. All right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I go to the door and it's this guy um, with a, uh, a cable company ID card, which he shows well, me. Well, uh, which... you assume you have no idea what a cable company ID card looks like. No, so this could, you have the no idea made this whether it's home. authentic or not. So, yeah, somebody could have, could have made gone that. to Staples yeah. and had it laminated. Yeah. Um, and so he proceeds to tell me that uh, he has been talking to my neighbors and my na- he's been able to save my neighbors a lot of money on their uh, their their you know like their cable bill. Um, they know that I am not with this individual, the company that this guy is. They know I'm with another person. Which now that I'm thinking about it, how do you know this? Um, yeah, the specific company. Considering yeah, how do more you know what company I am with? This uh-huh. is disturbing me. Um, uh-huh. And then goes on to start telling, asking me questions about how much money I pay every month and how many channels I have and uh-huh. how many channel receivers. Uh, and yeah, then... it was that it was the number of TV receivers where I'm like, nope. Yeah, Leanna appears out of nowhere and says, this guy could be using information to, to, no. to uh, hack you. No, it's like that is information that could be used to hack your Wi-Fi. Close the door. So I just basically went, and when Leanna goes Kratos, um, uh, I, I, okay, she's done. She's doing it for a reason. It is yeah, not Kratos, just. Kratos is a video game company for people who don't know. No, Kratos is a video game character. Yeah, video game character. Yeah, and uh, when I say I go Kratos, that's just what I just go. No, and that's it. That that is my natural inclination. Oh no, we are so, not doing this. So I close the door on this poor schmo. Um, and I feel sorry for these guys who uh, this is the job they could get because no one chooses this job. They take it because they need a job. And I have sympathy for that. And they go door to door in the winter. But it, and then I put it up on on social media. People say, yeah, I had another phone company come in and do this to me, too. And, you know, my thought is, who? OK, you're knocking on somebody's door midday. So you're assuming that they might be home. If they're home midday, chances are they're not sitting there waiting for someone to knock on the door. If they're working from home, they are working. If they are um, taking a day off, they're taking a day off. If they're caring for children, they're busy with their children. All right. So knocking on the door midday, what what the hell's the matter with you? And I, then I've, I've got one better for you, Ed. You want to say it before I continue my rant? Uh, well, it may add to your rant. Please. I went online and looked up whether this was a policy that this company had. So I went on the company forums and someone is saying, hey, is that legit? Because I don't know how to verify. The company said it was probably an authentic visit. Probably. Not definitively. Probably. Awesome. That's so, not reassuring. No, but it also means that the company is sending people out knocking yeah, door they, to they door. Are, yeah, but they can't definitively confirm that that person was with the company. And we know there's like natural gas scams and things like that. So they shouldn't be sending people since it's in a, well, you know, what's called in information security, an attack vector. 
They shouldn't be encouraging people to engage in things that could be scams. Well, my other point is um, you want me to give you information about my billing that, first of all, I don't have at my fingertips. They should never ask about that. Well, they, I, I don't have it. Why I don't have it at my fingertips. I don't have the, the specific information you're asking for when you knock on my door out of the blue without me knowing that you're showing up. So I don't have this information. And they uh, know that. And no, I am not going to be making major decisions about changing my service provider with some guy in a toque on my front door who interrupted me in the middle of the day. No, this isn't happening. Using- I don't make decisions like that. And I can't imagine going door to door midday, interrupting people, um, asking them to engage in a conversation about economics um, is going to net you many sales. It is just the wrong approach. But the company, that's why I say I don't think these 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 guys get paid a ton because this only makes makes sense as a sales tactic if more money comes in than goes out. And if they're paying these guys an hourly wage, you know, that's enough to live on. And it it just it's exploitative from top to bottom. Yeah, it's this sucks. is not good business. Do not come to my door. And I think I speak for everyone who has a door. Do not come to my door um, asking me to con- make considerations about my service provider or anything else. When uh, on at the spur of the moment, when you've caught me doing something else, how do you know you've caught me doing something else? Because clearly I was in the house, not just doing nothing. I was doing something. You caught you catch us when we're, we're, we're in the middle of something else. And then you ask us to have this conversation. This is not an appropriate place. I don't have these conversations on uh, the, 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 the door, for the, my, my, you know, my front door. Um, so don't come to my freaking door. You're not going to get a sale. Do not well, come to my freaking door. Please, for- companies, do not send these poor people who are just trying to make a buck. Give them a better job. Do not send them to the door so that they wind up getting doors closed in their face when they're just trying to earn an honest buck. Don't do this anymore. Thank you very much. I've spoken. Yeah, see, I like that reference. This is the way. Uh, the way is never show someone any piece of personal financial information, including bills. Don't, if the minute they ask, the minute they ask for that information, close the door. Don't worry about being rude. You're not being rude. You're being assertive. And I think that if companies were on the hook for doing business practices that are easily replicated as scams, things would change right quick. Because the problem is under the current under the current um, paradigm, if you get scammed, it's your problem, which is not right. You know, people should be able to trust that companies are doing a certain amount of due diligence so that but their you sales practices trust, aren't easily scammed. But you can't trust that um, the person at the door actually works for the company. This is why a company, when you call them, and uh, they should say, no, absolutely not. It wasn't my people because we don't send people out like exactly there are plenty of other ways to advertise better rates than your competitor without sending somebody to door flashing a badge that no one can confirm is authentic so there we go um 
Time for us to go. Okay. Uh, Leanna can be heard on It's Not Therapy, um, a, uh, a a growing up, a, a popular podcast that uh, helps talk about dealing with day to day stuff. You know, stuff you need to deal with, stuff that hangs over you day to day, conflicts and 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 issues and stuff like that. You do, you know, you just need somebody to say, here's a a, a clear cut, common sense way to address this. Uh, Leanna brings on experts who who share information. Um, so look for yeah, the, la- not... the last few have been great too. I've, I've really enjoyed those interviews. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that that last one was uh, that was tops. Um, the uh, so. Uh, check out It's Not Therapy, available wherever you find podcasts. Uh, check out me and Tarzan Dan with News Nobody Needs on Instagram and TikTok. Um, also on Twitter, but on Instagram and TikTok, I am Ed underscore the underscore sock. On Twitter, I am at Ed the sock. And I am ready to be outie. So, Leanna, do the thing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.